Welcome back to The World According to J-Caps. I am J-Caps, and this is the podcast. Uh, today is Valentine's Day, guys. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Hell yes. Listen, this show is going to really rely heavily on the soundboard, so just get used to it. I really hope that that's not an issue for anybody listening. Um, you know? But anyway, yeah, today's Valentine's Day, and... Um, to wherever you are, whoever you are, whenever you're listening to this, I hope that um, the fact that you may have uh, a significant other in your life, or that you may not have a significant other in your life, or that you may have hoping to have a significant other in your life, or you recently had a significant other in your life that you no longer have, I hope that that doesn't uh, derail you too much because in my experience, uh, you're, no one is ever satisfied with what they have. Um, it's weird. As soon as you get something that you've wanted for a long time, it often turns to dust between your fingers. And then you're like, this, this old shit is, is of no value to me. And I think that that's how we... Um, we, we cannot help but live our lives because because um, we all think that the grass is greener on the other side. But, you know, sometimes there are some moments of harmony where we can feel like, you know what? I am happy with my life. And I am actually, let's say, happy with uh, a significant other or happy that you don't have a significant other or... Um, I think the I think those two situations are probably the best. Like, if you are, uh, let's say, if you are with somebody on Valentine's Day, then probably, like, that's like maybe the best case scenario. Like, unfortunately, Valentine's Day, being with somebody on Valentine's Day, regardless of like what the um, what the media says, for or against. Some people say, oh, it's great to be some with someone on Valentine's Day. Or some people are say it's like, oh, it's no good to be with somebody on Valentine's Day. You should not, you should be like happy that you're not with somebody on Valentine's Day. But like, let's keep it real. The being with somebody on Valentine's Day probably is like where, like, that's where most people want to be at. But being with somebody on Valentine's Day, let's keep it real. For all the people who are with people, as you know. It's not all fun and games to be with someone. To be with someone is to, like um, uh, Jack Peter Sartre once said, um, hell is other people. So if you really if you really know what it's like to be in a relation, you know that it's it sucks. It actually sucks because people, everyone, even the best person that you can think of is probably annoying. And that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy to people who are without somebody on Valentine's Day because um, I think the thing is is that like uh, you when you're alone you you have the tendency to pine pine being um, pine tree you pine tree for people especially men they have their tiny little peens in their pants and their trees uh, turn into a little pine tree uh, for for other people but. Um, I think also uh, for for women, their 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 pussies turn into a little pine tree as well. They turn into a little pine bush. But we pine for people that we don't have. We create a fantasy of what that might be like. And a lot of a lot of um, relationship type stuff is based on fantasy. Is based on the fantasy of 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 a a, a um of a union like a utopian union in your head of what it would be like to be loved or to have someone who is available for sex or have like halcyon images of romance that may or may not be uh, assembled in a montage format in your mind to your favorite music, right? But the problem with fantasy is it like is... um. It's actually very dangerous. So fantasy, it cannot actually exist in the real world, except in like maybe little tiny bite size, like um, 
like cookie size flavored um, tablets. You can have a little bit. There can be a momentary. Um, there can be a momentary utopia that's the length of one full inhale and exhale. That's for as long as one can experience like a harmonic utopia. And once, maybe, I mean, and if you're lucky, maybe like five inhale and exhale breath lengths. But after that, you go back to reality, which is um, dissatisfaction and wanting something different. The problem is when you get, when you, let's say for people who are alone on Valentine's Day, very possible they may be scrolling through Instagram and they may come across like um, a person that they are attracted to and the picture is like it looks uh, it looks hot to them maybe and then they just start imagining that 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 image is like um, holds the holds all the answers to like their current predicament and then from where they're standing looking at the object of desire to where um, from like the object desire is the fantasy that we were talking about, the utopian, the utopian fantasy ideal to where you are looking at that, not having the fantasy being um, in desire. That is actually hell because you are hope you are hoping to have something that is actually not real on on the planet earth and that's a sad thing so i think people who are alone and are cool with it you guys are you guys are winning people who are in a relationship and you're kind of like realize that the person that you're with is not great all the time but you know what they're 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 great and they're dependable because you guys are in it to win it together you guys are doing good but then everybody else unfortunately you guys are fucked it's it's unfortunately if you're in the cycle of desire then that's not that's a problem and if you're feeling the echoes of something that you had and lost and are projecting all of the good feelings that you imagined that you had with that person then you're also fucked. So um, that's pretty much what I have to say about Valentine's Day. And um, I'll just be honest with you guys. I am not a person who is in um, in harmony with my life. I feel very um, unsettled. I feel very depressed. I feel um, feel like uh, like I've mentioned on the show. I feel like like in a in a not not trying to like. Um, not trying to get clout, but like kind of like in a in a dramatic uh, goth kid way. I feel like the guy who jumped off the World Trade Center because it was it was coming down and he's falling headfirst, and like they, they took that iconic picture of the guy falling. That's sometimes how I feel, and um, it takes a lot of it takes a like, and my mind doesn't do me any favors. Um, my mind really is like a is like the the friend of a bully who wants to prove himself to the bully so he piles on so whenever i'm feeling bad my mind like says okay i can get a few like uh, hard uh kicks to the rib with my steel-toed boot to to caps right um and it's very difficult it's very annoying uh to like not be able to get out from the uh crosshairs of my evil sniper mind but um you know, uh, that's the thing. Like in fantasy, you imagine that your life being one way, or even in the fantasy of thinking that your life is going to like work out in some type of uh, harmony. In the same way of like you're you thinking of things working out in a uh, in like a romantic way in your life, you also may have an idea about like your career or um, just how things will occur and that will also be tinged by like a utopian fantasy that is not real and then when things actually happen they happen differently they happen 
like out of order and they happen with um with like other caveats that you didn't ex- that you didn't expect and um it's not it's not like the fantasy at all it's actually sometimes more difficult but you know what does it work out i don't know i think that you got to keep hoping just like if you're alone you got to keep hoping that things are are going to turn around that's why people believe in god and stuff you know like i'm not here to tell you if god is real or not listen i heard a thing on on uh i think on the internet that it turns out like 99.999% of people don't even read books anymore um so they're fucking stupid and you know so like what do people people don't know anything so people don't even know anything about anything so how do they know if god exists or not probably not going to find that from a book but they're also going to probably look at the observable earth and think about all the time throughout history and then think of how um it's like if you think about all time throughout history you're like yeah humans have never had there's never been any proof of god and then you're like but wait a minute, humans have only been here for like a nanosecond of the whole entire existence of the universe. So like, haha, right back at you, dickhead. There might be a God after all. Who knows? So, um, yeah, I don't really have any answers about that. But the religion itself is kind of like a little uh, thing that people came up with to try to deal with how much uh, shit that that the world throws at you, you know? Like, what if there was, like, a system of um, thought, like a thought uh, a program, like a software that you could install in your brain and it would alleviate you of some of the horrible pain that you would inev- inevitably experience? And, like, it was called religion, and, like, it, it, like there were a few different kinds. Like, you got, like... Um, you got like I guess like um I guess like Christianity would be like uh Microsoft, right? Um maybe Judaism would be like Linux. Uh then then it's like Microsoft was like the more palatable version, but it's still like is it like this interface is kind of corny. And then I think like Buddhism would be Apple because it's like all sleek and Zen looking. And um I don't know enough uh, different types of softwares to go on with this. Like, I'm sure that, uh, I don't know, like, I guess, I don't know which one would um, would Muslims be. In fact, I'm, I'm reluctant to even include them in the, uh, in the um, analogy so I don't get, uh, so I don't get somebody mad at me for, like, using humor with their religion. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe that does not happen as much. Um, actually, if the, the, I would say probably the, um, that would be like an interface with no graphics because if you draw anything of Muslim, I think that somebody gets mad at you. Anyway, I'm not sure, but where was I going with that shit? Um, I think I was trying to say that like the that that religion is a way to deal with um, with all of the crazy shit that you got to deal with when like the when things go wrong in life. But you have to you have to believe in it. You have to think like. Okay, I need to um I need to like not feel like I'm in control of this uncontrollable thing called life. I'm not making the decisions. You know who you know another situation where you don't make any of the decisions? I think that you don't make any of the decisions when you um when you have romance like on um like on Valentine's Day, like which is today. Uh sometimes people just happen into your life uh, by no, like there's no rhyme or reason. You ever hear that phrase, rhyme or reason? There's no rhyme or reason to it. What does that mean? Like, are, like, are, is everybody a rapper and they're trying to come up with rhymes? They're trying to come up with the perfect rhyme. They're like, they're, they're like have the, um, the theme from eight mile in the background and they're like sitting uh, on the subway and they're like, trying to come up with the correct rhyme for the day, a rhyme that can carry them through life and they can't come up with it. And then for reason, that's the people who don't rap. That's like people who are like, I have a regular day job and I think of things with reason. 
with I, I use mathematics. That's my and neither rapping or mathematics um, will bring you to uh, your true love. That's what I was trying to say. Um, that stuff happens um, more by accident, by chance. Maybe in the same way that um, like a tree will just put its seeds out into the air, right? Like when uh, when trees pollinate the atmosphere, they just basically bust all their um, their little angiosperms into the into the air and let the wind handle it. They're just like, all right, it's time, and the wind goes and the wind takes all the little um, pollens and they fl- float them around, and then somehow the pollens end up getting into the other tree's pussies. Isn't that fucking crazy? But in my experience, that's how um, that's how uh, you end up meeting somebody. So I think that, I mean, but you know something? You're talking to a guy who's never even, I've never used uh, Tinder. I've never used um, any, uh, I've never used OkCupid. I don't even know if that, that, I remember when I was of the age to do dating something. <laughs> when I was of the age of doing dating things, there was OK Cupid, but I never did that either, uh, and I never did, um, I never did Tinder, and I never did Match dot com. So I really don't know how people meet each other in the real world. But what I'm saying is that you don't actually need to use any of that stuff because you just have to put your sperms into the wind. You just bust into the wind like a tree, and your sperms will end up floating around society and end up impregnating somebody. So listen, just trust, like they say in, in um, trust the universe, like they say in The Secret. Um, and listen, I, I don't know that everything is going to work out the way you want it, but maybe things are happening for, maybe things are happening in the background that you don't even realize. So I'm just going to say... If you're feeling good, feel good. If you're feeling bad, feel bad. We're gonna rate that. We're gonna rate that last um, meandering rant as a fifty-fifty. We're not sure. I'm not sure if that worked out. But one thing I do know is that I have satisfied the beginning of this show. So we are gonna continue, and we have a few suggestions this episode. We have a few suggestions. Um, we have a suggestion actually coming from friend of the show uh, and longtime suggester. Um, uh, cats are superior to you, uh, a fa- friend of the show, who says tame Impala is something that I should find out about or research. So, so I understand that tame Impala is a band. Uh, I don't know anything about them. I know that they're like a rock band, I think. And um, and on my Patreon, I've been going through the top 100 songs as defined by NPR. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna do that this episode, but I am going to review a Tame Impala song. Now that's an interesting name for a band because Impalas are wild in real life. Impalas are wild animals, but in Rock music, Impalas are tame. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm vamping. I'm, I gotta pull up a song by Tame Impala because I don't even know what they sound like. So we're gonna, we're gonna see what they sound like and we'll give them a review. So if I go onto YouTube and I put Tame Impala, let's see what comes up. Tame, actually, the fir- if you put in the word tame, Tame Impala is the first thing comes up. So Tame Impala, what I have to assume is that the um the search engine that's YouTube must really like Tame Impala, or my iPad is listening to me. So let's click on Tame Impala and let's see what the first thing people say. Well, first thing that comes up, it says that Tame Impala is playing in Brooklyn 2022 at the Barclay Center. So apparently this band is very popular because to play at the Barclay Center, you have to have money behind you. Um, I don't even know if you need to be talented you do need to be talented probably you need to have money behind you to play the barclay center you need to be um what do they call uh guilt you need to be like um i want to say gilded but uh i want to say vetted there's another word i'm trying to think of it means 
like um it means like in the club you know our society has uh it and it has and it has for a long time uh, a paradigm that is laid upon creativity so back in the back in the times of uh kings and stuff you would have the court you'd have the royal court and that's where the king lived and like it's on the palace grounds and like it's a whole big estate and all the royals and the lords and shit they live on the pal- they live on the royal court and the king obviously has musicians in the royal court that he um has make his songs for him because he's the king and he has to have like a house band and those musicians are uh musicians that actually in the beginning they obviously didn't just grow on the fucking palace grounds where do you think the king got them he sent his um A&R representatives and he went out outside of the king's palace grounds to the villages and where all the poor people are. and they would go to taverns and they would listen to local bands they would listen to like local lute players and local bassoon groups and uh local um you know uh what do you call uh violin noodlers and they would just uh, and also they would listen to those guys who like had a couple of wood blocks that they would snap on their knee uh, all different you know all different folk music- musicians and when like if they were playing like a little sellout show at the tavern the local tavern the A&R guys from the king's palace would be like listen you have to work for the king now. You got to come onto the king's palace. And that's like the same equivalent of, of being signed. And that's how it has been. And nowadays, it's the same thing, kind of. Even though they say that you could go viral on the internet for something, maybe you can. It's possible. But, um, anyways, what you need to, what you need to know about is that, um, you know, you still got to get, uh, you still got to get like the king's approval for certain things, and I think that this Tame Impala band seems like they have the king's approval. Maybe they deserve it. Uh, let's see if this song, "The Less I Know, the Better," is worthy of the king's uh, of the king's merit. Let's see. Is this the video? Oh wait, this is the Sopranos, dude. The Sopranos are an ad. Wow. Wait a minute. Well, the Sopranos... So the Sopranos... There's an ad for the Sopranos TV show in the beginning of this Tame Impala video. So I'm to understand that the Sopranos, who are mobsters, Italian mobsters from the 90s, now work for Tame Impala. How far they've fallen. This just goes to show that some, in sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Life is not a straight line. Like we were saying in the beginning, we have a utopian idea of how things are going to go. Those mobsters who are in The Sopranos, they thought that it would be salad days forever. They showed they, they were living high on the hog, living in New Jersey, listening to this cool song like Sopranos, uh, you know. But what happens, you know? They all got, um, they all got caught in a RICO case, and they all got brought down. And then what happens? The Irishman. Uh, what do you call so? Um, what's his name? Uh, Scor- Martin Scorsese used to be. He was the the royal filmmaker of the mobsters. Who the, he was hired by the mobsters to make f- propaganda for the royal mobster nation. But now he made The Irishman, which is a CGI movie that looks like a cutscene from a video game. Talking about how guess what? The mobsters are over now. They they actually we found out who killed Jimmy Hoffa and it was the mobsters and now they're all grandpas. They're all old ass great grandpas and they don't do any cool shit like in Boardwalk Empire anymore. So it's like and now what do you gotta do? You gotta do ads for a rock band. You have to do a rock band ad. And as I watch this video, it looks like I don't even know. I guess... Is there a new Soprano show coming on? I don't know. But anyway, it's been hard times for the Sopranos. Um, it's been hard times for the mobsters lately. They're doing an ad in front of Tame Impala, and I'm going to have to skip this ad because while I am nostalgic for the past, you know, that's the that's a big thing. 
uh, uh, media, uh, the king does not want to take chances on new artists. They don't want to like. They don't even want to go out into the uh, into the wilds and and discover a new create new creative artists who are you know playing their 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 loot at the tavern anymore. They just want to. They just want to like keep all the things that they already have. On, in the Royal Palace grounds and keep making remakes because they're afraid of investing in a new artist. And now they just make, they're just stuck great making remakes. And the people and, the, and everyone in the Royal Court is kind of getting tired of it. But, you know, they're stupid. Like they have never even read a book, like just like back in the days. So what do they know? They're just, they're just fucking morons. So anyway, let's get to this Tame Impala song because I, I you know, I ended up just I ended up just talking out my ass most of the time. So let's see. I got to say that that does sound pretty funky. That's a pretty funky beginning for a song. Let me just listen to this for a second. Do you notice do you notice how when this song starts, the bass drum, which is like the the drum that makes the boom, that part is completely synced up with what sounds like the bass guitar. Here, check it out. You hear that? Every time... The guitar, every time the ba- bass guitar makes that sound, I think it might be just the guitar. It might be just the guitar because the bass comes in later, but it's the same notes as the bass. Check it out. You hear how the bass drum and the bass guitar are in sync? That's how you know this is a professional band because a lot of bands, they don't know that little trick. That's like the first thing that you got to learn if you're being a professional band is make sure the bass drum and the bass guitar are playing at the same time. And that gives it this sound. So this band sounds pretty funky. Um, Cats are superior to you. Do you like that we took like 10 minutes out of the show to talk, to like give a preamble before we listen to this song? Um, Maybe I should have just listen to the song because the title of the song is The Less I Know the Better. And I know nothing about Tame Impala as I have proven by my preamble. Let's scroll. This song is almost four minutes, which is almost a perfect length for the song. But let's go to the one minute, 35 second mark because I always think if a song is good at one minute and 35 seconds, then it's a probably good song all the way through. So let's hear what they sound like. I'm afraid that the guy sounds like a synthesizer when he sings. He has a synthesizer sounding voice. Um, is that his real voice or is that a keyboard? Let's take a listen. Let's take a little listen more. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. I like people who sound like people and not people who sound like synthesizers. So I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to say no for Tame Impala. Maybe that Impala should be a little bit more wild and we should hear the human sounding voice. I always like a human sounding voice and not a keyboard sounding voice. And maybe that's my limitations of my ears. It could be. But that's my final answer. So... Um, if you guys have a, a, a different song by Tame Impala that will challenge this my view on it, then please send it in. But for now, I'm going to have to say we did the 135, 1 minute 35 second check, and unfortunately they failed. They were doing really good with the funky beat and having their bass, guitar, and kick drum synced up, which is very critical. Had they not had that, I might have thrown the whole band out in the first part, but they, they came through, they came through on that part. So yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, this is turning out to be a real good episode. I can feel it. All right. So the Jason Tate suggests surviving animal attacks as a suggestion. And have I ever survived an animal attack? Well, truth be told, I have. I, it wasn't so much as an animal attack as it was an animal encounter. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure I never have. But I, J-Caps, of grading animals with J-Caps, of the world according to J-Caps, of mares and caps even, of even being a part-time art teacher at this school that doesn't give me enough hours. And um, anyway, I have encountered a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park. Yeah, I did. The bear's name was Scarface, and here is my tale of woe. So in 2011, I was coming back from uh, from the Fringe Festivals. I was on tour with, uh, with Carol Sarugo. We were on uh, the festival. Uh, the, we had done the Winnipeg, Vancouver, Victoria, uh, not Saskatoon that year, Clear Lake. We had done a lot of festivals. We had been touring all summer, and we were coming back through America. And we decided to stop at Yellowstone National Park. And we decided to stop there pretty late in the day. Um, it was probably middle of September, like maybe middle or end of September, maybe probably maybe the 18th or 19th of September, I'm going to guess. And we got there about like uh, four o'clock. So it was a little bit like uh, afternoon. And you know what? Before we went there, we stopped at a wolf and bear um, sanctuary because we were like, there's no way that we're going to ever see a real wolf and bear if we go into this park. I mean, nobody sees real wild animals. Let's just go to this thing. So we watched... Um, we went to this little sanctuary where they had wolves and bears, and they showed us how, you know, back out. If you've ever been to a national park, you got to know that the their um their garbage can game is next level because apparently bears, their whole hand is like a big like um what's it like Edward Scissorhand claws like they got gigantic claws, and they can pretty much open up any garbage can like they were peeling an apple like and they can even peel open a car like that it's nothing for them in fact their their claws they can just if even if they like side swipe a, a car it'll just get sliced up right so we're looking at this shit and it was pretty cool pretty cool seeing wolves seeing bears you know and it's like cool all right now let's go to this national park so we're driving through the national park and it's like, you know if somebody saw an animal because every time there was an animal, there was like 75 cars stopped and $500,000 worth of camera equipment on all types of tripods and shit with all the most professional or amateur professional photographers shooting whatever animal they stopped to see on the side of the road. Like, um, for instance, a bison. You know, I remember we pulled over because there were 75 other cars taking pictures of bison, right? And everyone was like, no, 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 don't go near the bison. It will gore you. It will just, it will smash you in the head. It will, uh, and then, you know, we we're like, all right, let's keep going. And then we will go a little more. And another 50 cars are stopped. And they're looking at an elk you know, and uh, a couple of elk, and they're just looking at it. They got all the camera equipment out, and it's like, all right, dude, I get it, you know? So we're just driving. It, that, it became, like, depressing. Like, how about just letting the animals be? How about just letting the animals just live their lives, right? Instead of, like, ogling them, oogling them. Like, like oogling them as if it was, like, uh, pornography. It's just like, let the animals be. So then we were just driving through Yellowstone and we came upon uh, like those old faithful style sulfurous 
uh, abscesses in the earth where smoke comes out. And um, you know, one thing about those things, like those, um, what are they called? Like steam, steam pits? What are those steam pits they have? Geysers? That shit is hot. If you go near it, it actually is hot. So, um, so that, so that we did that. And then there's this part called the Upper Falls of Yellowstone National Park. And at this point, it was probably like maybe 6, 45, 7. The sun was beginning to set. And uh, we went onto the Upper Falls. And it's all like paved parking lot style. We're on the parking lot. And I got out to take some pics. And um, we're taking pics. And then uh, Carol was like, Yo, let's go inside the car though. Let's I don't know, something feels a bit weird. But I was just like whatever, let me take some pics, yo. And I'm taking pics. And then she was like, "You know what? Let's actually get in the car. That might be the better move." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, let's get in the car. Fine." So I get in the car, and as I close the door to the car, then right where I was standing a moment ago from before, a gigantic grizzly bear comes ambling out of nowhere. And had we not gotten back in the car, that gigantic grizzly bear would have had us pinned between uh, itself and the ledge to the upper falls. And um, so then, like, I closed the door, and it was very exciting, because I don't know if you've ever seen... I don't know if you've, if you've ever been, uh, like, 10 feet from a grizz a gigantic grizzly bear um with no uh with nothing no barriers like it could literally you know it could have literally opened my car up like a like a tin can it was so close it was just le- lumbering toward the car and you know at that in that moment i was like yo i could take a picture of this, this is like you never get so close to a a grizzly bear this is like extremely close but um instead uh we were we were like let's just go let's get out of here because the grizzly bear moved closer and closer to the car and was actually sort of sniffing the side of the car so we drove away from the from the grizzly bear and then uh we went to we just drove to uh the the um the the national park headquarters like in the over like like where the uh like where the people who like are the park rangers are and uh carol was having a meltdown total meltdown because she felt that we came close to death and it's true we probably did come close to death had things not worked out exactly as they did had we not gotten in the car exactly at that moment not had i not taken the advice to get in the car had had I dropped my keys, and the car and the bear like decided to like put its paws on the hood of the car and then maybe pop the tire or something like that, or like even if I accidentally had had gone forward with the car and hit the bear, I mean any any possibilities could have happened, but you know the, whatever was meant to happen happened whatever didn't happen was part of a utopian fantasy that was only within our within our minds so anyway uh we went to the headquarters of the national park and then we explained what happened we explained what the bear looked like like we pointed out its facial features it had a scar across its eye and the National Park Rangers were like, oh yeah, that's Scarface. And it they opened a drawer and they pulled out a picture of Scarface and said, we haven't seen him in two seasons. Well, I guess we know he's still alive. And then they put a bulletin out to all the other campers who were out in the park that um, that, that uh, bear was on the loose and uh, to just pay attention to, like, make sure you... I mean, I think that people who camp in Yellowstone Park, they, like, have a little bit of... They know what to do. I think when you when you camp in Yellowstone Park, you have to, like, put all your food in a, um, in a bag up top. 
because you have to put a bag, you have to like find a tree and then you have to pull all your food in a bag up top because as smart as the average bear is, it does not know how to use a pulley system to dislodge food from a bag that has been pulled up top. So then that was a quite a, a cool animal adventure, but the, the story does not end there. So we had left uh, Yellowstone Park and we were driving through, um, we were driving through the area after Yellowstone Park. And then uh, a big herd of elk, which is basically one male elk and a bunch of female elks. They blocked the road because they were all having a, um, like one of those, like tramp, they were trampling. They were having a, like one of those things where an animal, where they all run. So my car got, had to be stopped for a long time as all of these elk were running across the street. And uh, it took a long time. And then the elk uh, was like grandstanding in front of all of all of his uh, all of his female elk prostitute harem that he I guess he was the only male he had fought. I assume that he had fought other elks for the um, for the right to plow out all of these uh, uh, female elk bitches. And, you know, it makes you think how different valentine's day is for elk than it is for humans because in humans you have a situation where it is not it's not uh, you cannot like first of all it's a, a lot of male males don't often you don't find men who run a harem of of women's who they can uh have their way with it's actually and it's frowned upon in society and then it doesn't seem like that's how our society runs for success but in elk society the the one male who like was able to um beat other males in a form of um you know who has the who can like push each other with their horns or something like that then it's like all of the female elks want to fuck him and not only that they don't get jealous of each other they're like yeah if you want to fuck me today or my friend tomorrow, like you beat the other guy with with your horns, so I think it's, it's all good. And that's really not. I think the reason is, is that humans we evolved our um, our frontal cortex and we have a bigger brain than elk, uh, whereas elk have a bigger um, neck muscles. So. A lot of what elks have to do is based on how strong their neck muscles are, whereas humans have to deal with how smart their brain is. And as a, what do you call, a byproduct of that smartness is that um, people don't really, they don't adopt um, like that sort of attitude with harems like that, which is probably a good thing for society. But you know, today is Valentine's Day, so you got to wonder what it's like. Does does that mean the elk has to get Valentine's Day cards for all of his entire harem? And then what are the inter-elk dynamics? Like, is there elk jealousy in that society? And of course, it's probably tough for the, um, for the, for the male elks who don't, who aren't tough enough to win the horn battle, because then... They just have to go somewhere and die, I guess. Like, they they never get the spoils of war, the spoils of elk war, which is unlimited elk pussy. So, anyways, where was I? So, after the elks passed us on the road, then we were driving on the road outside of Yellowstone Park, and there's a road that... It, that goes into a national forest or a national area. What one of these like national protected areas called Little Bighorn, and Little Bighorn is one of those roads that steeply spirals up a mountain, up the edge of a mountain in a spiral formation. And when we got to the top of that spiral formation, it was completely dark. And then I ran out of gas from my car because I was so caught up with the fact that we saw all these wild animals that I never thought to fill my gas tank with gas. So then at the top of the mountain in Little Bighorn, I had no more gas. 
So the good thing was, is that I was at the top of the mountain and I could just take my foot off the gas and careen down the side of a mountain that is like right on the edge. The, uh, the edge of the mountain, you would like go and fall to your death. And there was a, a thin rail that was holding the car back from careening into, uh, into certain doom. So every time I took my foot off the gas uh, and just careened down, I would be going 65 miles an hour down this mountain. And what's good is that like it was dark and there was no other cars around because that might have been very stressful to have like more cars and have to navigate. In this way, I was just able to um, kind of tap the brakes as I careened down at 65 miles an hour down the uh, Little Bighorn Mountain Range. And I kept going all the way down as the gas went from empty to further empty and even more empty. Because somehow, even though apparently when you're just careening down a um, when you're just careening down a mountain, you're apparently not using gas. But but in this case, somehow I guess I was using gas somehow. So, anyways, uh, we use the we use the um, the momentum from careening down this mountain all the way, and I was able to uh, careen all the way down the mountain, down into, I think, a town called Cody, Wyoming, and then I was able to careen all the way into a closed Sinclair gas station where I was able to finally fill up my car. And that is my... Surviving an animal attack story that uh, I told for Jason Tate, who asked about it. And uh, did I survive an animal attack? I like to think so. What if that elk had saw me as a threat? It might have tried to smash my car, but apparently the the elk was sated by all of the uh, elk pussy that it had just fucked and was like, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. And also, was it an animal attack from Scarface the bear who, um, you know, sniffed my car and, and possibly maybe put a paw print on my car but did not open it like a tin can? Was that an animal attack? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just an animal encounter. But you know what? <sighs> you know, you make a suggestion to a podcast and that is in itself like a utopian fantasy. You're hoping to get some type of response, but the response that you get is the reality. And the reality is not lined up exactly with the fantasy. So I'm going to say I put one number on the board and we got through another suggestion. Now, I have a couple more suggestions. And there's a suggestion from Matata, who is a Patreon member. And um, he asks, can I listen to Them Their Eyes by Billie Holiday because it's, um, it's his favorite song by her. And I will say that I actually do like Billie Holiday too. But my favorite song is Sunny Side of the Street by her. And um, that is a great song. In fact, that should be maybe one of uh, the theme songs of the show. But now this song, Them Their Eyes, let's see. Them, their eyes, Billy Holiday. Let's see, let's see this song, and let's see if the Sopranos also are advertising on the beginning of this song. So you want to know where to invest a thousand dollars right now? Well, forget about stocks, real estate, or cryptocurrency. There is a little-known trend taking America by storm wow. right now called digital real estate. Okay. And digital real estate creates online assets. All right. So, have- so wait a minute. So now, Billy Holiday does not have the Sopranos trying to advertise on them, but they instead have a gimmick called digital real estate. It's not cryptocurrency. It's not um, real estate. uh, And it's not the other one that I forget. But anyway, you know what? I do not care about this. I do not have any money to invest in anything. In fact, um, the reality, not the fantasy, but the reality is that I am... um, I'm not doing well, guys. So if you take pity on me or actually enjoy this content, enjoying this content or taking pity on me both, please join the Patreon. That's what I'm going to change that ad to. But let's get into this song. Hey, 
actually, this song does start out pretty rocking. You know what I like about some songs where it's like, there, there. It's very big. It's like, wake up. This song is going on. It's a nice big sound. But let's listen to this band for a second because I wonder if they're doing. I wonder if the bass. Now, in this case, the upright bass is hitting the bass drum at the same time. They might not be. They could because that might be a thing that only started during the uh, during rock. But we'll listen for a little bit. Let's try to see if we can listen for them. I fell in love with you the first time I looked into them there. All right. Well, we can't pay attention to that because Billie Holiday's great voice just started. So um, let's just take a listen to it. With them they make me feel so happy. They make me feel so blue. I'm falling, no stalling, in a great big way for you. This is a great song. Thank you for suggesting it, Matata. And this song reinforces what we've been talking about the whole time this Valentine's Day episode, which is Billie Holiday is looking into them, their eyes of someone. And and she's hoping and she's projecting her fantasy onto what those eyes could promise. It could make her feel so happy. It could make her feel so blue. Because at the very point of the hoping, she's just like the person who's looking at the Instagram post of the object of their desire, feeling as far away from having whatever fantasy fulfilled in that moment. So she is singing from hell, but she does make it sound pretty happy. There's a lot of hope. My heart is jumping. You started something with them there. You'd better look out, little brown eyes, if you're white. They sparkle, they bubble. They're gonna get you in a whole lot of trouble. What do you guys think? Do you think that, uh, do you think it worked out? Do you think it works out by the end of the song? Do you think that Billie Holiday got to, um, got to get with the person who had them, their eyes? Do you think that she was just singing the song? It was a song that she had to sing with her band and it was not necessarily, um, she, you know, it's like you get to perform a, you get to perform in a play, and it's like you sing the song, but in your own personal life, it's actually not. The song is just um, you bring it to life, but then it's like, you know, people watch, people are into so many uh, TV shows and actors and stuff, and it's like you connect with the person that the that is portrayed on the screen, but that's just uh, the costume of the actor. And it's not their actual life. And their actual life may be filled with pain. and um, But they're able to put all that shit aside to be like very convincingly entertaining. And in this song, Billie Holiday is very uh, convincingly passionate and alive. And we, we love to hear... But let's hear what the song sounds like at the 1 minute and 35 second mark. Because that's really a defining moment in any song. And in this song, at the 1 minute and 35 second mark, there is some great horn playing that really, um, you know, that really anchor the song. So... I think that that's really great. Let's hear how this song wraps up at that two minutes and 35 seconds. Let's hear what it sounds like. With a whisper line, I fell in love with them there. Love. Falling in love with them, their eyes. Is there anything, is there anything more? Uh, oh, wait, did, did the Sopranos theme start again? Hold on a second. The Sopranos theme started immediately after that, and that's cool. But anyway, it is Valentine's Day, and um, 
I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you are not uh, in hell pining for uh, an unattainable fantasy. But if you are, sometimes that also feels good. Sometimes we need to pitch ourselves out into the cosmos, into the unknown, and see where we land. Like, what is... What is the purpose of a life if you're not going to uh, try, right? I mean, what are you? What are you going to lay down and, and die? I, I guess that's a that's a rhyme, but there is no rhyme or reason to this thing to this thing we call love. So I hope you guys are having a happy Valentine's Day. Um, and shall we? I think we'll get to a couple more suggestions just to just so that I can give you guys added value. I was I was uh, I was thinking about how one of just to pull the curtain. Pull back the curtain, because uh, I feel like one of the best things about this episode so far for me is I have not wall- wallowed in my own self-doubt too much, uh, which is great. But I but I do often wallow in my own self-doubt and defeat, and um, I feel very depressed, you know, lately. And the thing that makes me feel depressed is I feel afraid that what I offer the world has no value. And this is a very weird thing because the value of things um, is how uh, is how like we like uh, like uh, survive. So for instance, like if you are um, let's say a doctor, that's a that's of a lot of value um, in our society. Now of course, nobody really wants to pay like the, who's gonna pay the doctors? that's the big question like you know nobody has any money to pay the doctors and we want to all like pay like a, a ten dollar copay I mean, it's uh, it's understandable we're all broke because our lives because we don't bring to the table a value on the scale of a doctor right but then it's like um what if you're like a, a person that like like me that that i make like i hope to attempt to make people laugh by saying incongruously stupid and possibly obscene things now what's the value to that very subjective. If only, so if only the A and R rep from the King's Court could listen to this podcast and select me as somebody worthy to create mirth for the King. But then that comes with a lot of um, what do you call strings attached? Because I'd probably have to change my whole entire uh, pers- like way of approach to uh, creativity. Which who wants to do that? What I want is to be valued, but also be allowed to be completely myself, which is a very, very, very uh, small bullseye to hit. But in any case, I, have, I, I tried to not to go too off the deep end with that, and that makes me feel good. So to add extra value to this episode, I am going to do the rest of the suggestions that were suggested to me. And so we have a suggestion from King Mexico. Shout out King Mexico. Shout out King Mexico podcast. Shout out Los Brujos podcast. Um, I've been on both of those podcasts. He's uh, had me as a guest, and I really appreciate appreciate being on there. But uh, he says World War Three may happen, and um, this is a, a real. This is the opposite of the utopian fantasy that people have. People project onto the world, like we said, a utopian fantasy of what they hope could happen without any idea of reality. But then sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes you project a hell, a worse hell than can ever be imagined onto the world. And the thing about the thing about that, it's like almost like a um it's not a utopian, it's a dystopian hell. And one of the most popular dystopian hells that we think is so original and we like to project onto the world is complete apocalyptic, um, uh, like societal breakdown. People are like, oh, they they like the, in our society has such a hard on for uh, apocalyptic dystopia. We th- we think like, oh, you know, um, The Walking Dead, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Um, any number of uh, like movies that come out where society has broken down, we're just like, yeah, that's like an original idea. 
or we have another uh, we have another original idea of a totalitarian government that like controls the entire populace and takes away our every freedom. These are two um like ideas that society seems to have a hard on with and they think they're so original, but they're actually not that original because like I said, only like 1% of the population has ever read a book ever. But believe it or not, those type of dystopias have already happened on the earth many times. And we're just remembering the last time uh, it happens with horror-colored glasses on. For instance, did you know that in the late 20s in America, we um, the people who like ran the farms decided to uh, plow up all the all the grass from basically um, like the middle of America all the way to California. All the natural grass that grew, they decided to plow it up for farmland. And but the, what they didn't realize was when you pull up all the natural grass, then what happens is the the dirt doesn't stay on the ground, and Basically, the wind that comes over the Rocky Mountains and blows all the way to New York City and creates the weather, um, it took all that dirt and blew it for like a period of seven years. And if you lived in the middle of the country, you literally choked to death in the middle of the uh, 1930s. You would choke to death. If you got near somebody, you would get electrocuted. Um, Entire towns like went under like it was the most horrible thing but people don't know people don't remember that and it isn't in the public consciousness because people don't know shit about anything so it's been mostly forgotten and also um the it it affected poor people and people and whether no matter what uh race you feel like um is like your race that you want to win the race war um one thing that every side can agree on is that nobody cares about poor people um poor people it doesn't matter uh you can have your whatever um dog in the fight but people do not care about poor people people care about impressing rich people whoever the rich people are whether it's rich republicans or rich democrats or whatever rich whoever those are the people who are pandered to in the race war, not the actual poor people. And what the poor people end up inheriting is uh, the earth. The poor people in the 1930s inherited a lung full of earth, which they then suffocated and died on. And that seems pretty dystopian and apocalyptic. Um, and in any of these apocalyptic scenarios where like uh, the water is poisoned or you can't grow anything or like some environmental catastrophe has happened, all we have to do is think of the 1930s and think of the actual catastrophe that happened that killed a bunch of people. And you have a homegrown um, uh, climate change terror that already that we can already go to and look at like tons of pictures and look at like clouds of black that go all the way and block out the sun and the dirt was uh, transported all the way across to America, to all the cities on the East Coast and all the way to England, actually. So the Dust Bowl. So that's one. So let's just put one on the board for the Dust Bowl to being a homegrown hell. And then as far as World War Three, what about um, all that cool World War Two stuff that happened? Or... What about all that cool World War One stuff? Because let's not let's not jump to World War Three and skip over World War Two and World War One. Remember, the I feel like the consensus is that no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you do not want to put your phone down and fight for your country, even whether or not you think it's good or bad. Whether you're fighting for like the causes of uh, you know left or right, nobody actually wants to. Um, like get a um, like a paper cut on their finger for any of that. Like, I mean, tweet, yes. I mean, make it make an angry TikTok, yes. Make a, a like if you still use it, Facebook post, yes. But actually, like, you know, lo- risk your life for that. I don't think a lot of people want to do that. But back in the day, you sometimes didn't even have a choice. In World War One, 
in World War II, you had to go. And it even seemed like the, um, the reason to fight was maybe a little bit more on the noble side in World War II. But in World War I, everybody had to go because the powers that be, who, like in Europe, those were kings. So they could just take all their people and just shovel them into the, into the trench and just shovel 20,000 people a day. Um, guys, I'm sorry. I like definitely went on a little bit of my own little ranting about, uh, you know, World War One. I. I love talking about that shit. And, um, you know, anyways, long story short, uh, will, will World War Three happen? Maybe. Will it look like World War One? Probably not. I mean, would you rather be, um, would you rather, uh, be have a bayonet in your face like a, a a sword a long sword that chops your face open and gouges your eye out and then rips out the side of your face so that the your your ocular bone has like jagged um knife wounds in it is that how you want to go out or maybe possibly do you want to breathe chlorine gas until you suffocate um that's like World War One death. That's like a style of World War One. They don't even use those type of chemical gases in... And now it's like, what are we afraid of? Like, honestly, maybe like getting vaped in a nuclear bomb, that might even not even hurt as bad. You might just be out like that, like quick. Maybe not. Like when we, bought, when we dropped a bomb on Hiroshima, um, people did get fried up pretty badly. Um, that's, another, that's another thing that like, you know, I don't know. I think that people would rather not fight a war and still be able to watch shows on Hulu, Netflix, and scroll through TikTok. And I don't really see our society with a hard-on to kill anybody in a prolonged physical battle. Like, as much as red states hate blue states, do you really? would you really want to put the phone down to actually bayonet them in the face or possibly be bayoneted in the face? How bad do people want that shit? I don't think they want that at all. I think that they want to jerk off to stuff on Pornhub. That's what I feel like people really want to do. People want to have um, just enough money to jerk off to stuff on Pornhub and then hopefully overdose on fentanyl. And as long as that's the status quo, I think that we may be able to avert World War III. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe as I say that, it is just a utopian fantasy of mine. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you're having a happy Valentine's Day. Seriously, spread love throughout the world, and I'll see you next week.